How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 16. 16. That was with Gusto. I like this movie this week, but we'll talk about it later in the oi, show. He's oi. Oi. Hey, what, whoa, who are you? What are you doing here? Uh, I'm back. Ah, Jesse. Oh, special guest, Jesse I've returned Newell. from the grave. Whoa. This is Jesse Newell from Newell Creative. Come to shit on our show again. Yes, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I, like, honestly, oh, got I don't so know how to talk you about. guys let me back. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 10 episodes since you've come to talk Did about Dog Tooth with dog us. Tooth? Yeah, episode yeah, six. six. What? I thought episode it was episode eight. Wow. Episode eight was Can Captain we fact Marvel. check that, please? We don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, fact check it. No. So I, I came on on um, uh, the directorial debut of this podcast. <laughs> So Jesse, please, please tell Zeke what Pretend you told so. me last week or two weeks ago. Uh, what What is your automatic response when you're listening to this podcast? Oh, okay, now? so basically a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to an episode of the pod and I was walking home and I was just about to get home and you said, I can't remember whose film it was, you said it was their directorial debut or something and my knee-jerk reaction was to whip out my phone and just check IMDb. <laughs> mm. That's, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're proud... Uh, to keep up to date with our facts here. Yep, yep, on, yep. You know. <laughs> I only want to improve the pod, so... We're like the Ron Burgundy of film podcast yeah, uh, yeah. knowledge. I, we just yeah, kind of make shit up all. on the spot. I don't mind that. No, I, I like to think that any time there's a fact, like, there's just me hiding in the corner, just, like, with a computer, just, like, rising Be, up from the side. Some saying, people have fact checkers sure on right? their shows, you know? That's, yeah, yeah. That's how it is. No, no, maybe... That's what the internet's for. Maybe the bigger we get, the more we'll uh, start to employ you regularly as our mm. signature fact checker. Just Please to... give me a job. <laughs> <laughs> we all want I've got you. a lot of free time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, me too. Now, well, that's not true. But... Some would say too much free time. Oh, man. Oh, so what have you guys been up to? Been checking anything no, out? No, watching the movies? Nothing. Oh, you haven't Abs- been watching much. Um, this past week, no. Um, ah, just I've been, I've been, I know I've been so busy this oh, last week. Not um, good enough, mate. I'll make up for it in the career section a little bit, but mm. um, you and me, Jesse, we watched something the week prior that I mentioned. Yeah, we did. Briefly, yeah, we we, did. we watched mid nineties together. Yeah, I um, blackmailed you into watching this. It was either That's that or no, Don Quixote. No, I know I blackmailed you into watching Midnight's, remember? Oh, yeah, okay. Because you, you gave me a choice between the two movies. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I'd prefer to watch Midnight's. And you're like, we could do that. <laughs> or, or Don Quixote. <laughs> and I was shocked when, when I got there and met you that night. We were like, oh, we are watching Midnight's. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> oh, well, like, I figured that Midnight's would probably be something a little bit more accessible. Um, just because, uh, like,. The man who killed Don Quixote is something I really want to see, but yeah. I'm not sure if it'd be everyone's cup of tea. Um, it would have been yeah. interesting, but um, I think mid-90s was a good choice for it because it was the first time we went to the movies together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a fun little experience, an old 20-seater. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, Jake, yeah. Except the, the seat was wet. The verdict, though, does Jesse live up to and adhere to the golden rules of being... You know, seeing a movie with you. Absolutely. I hope I do. Yeah. Doesn't talk <laughs> through the movie too much. No, if anything, I was probably the more annoying one that night. Oh, yeah, you were. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, we, we okay. had fun. We made little jokes because it was a small theatre. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 20 seater, probably maybe 10 seats filled. Yeah. So, like, it was a really Even chill less time. Than that, probably. Yeah, it was, probably yeah, it was seven small. or eight. I loved it, though. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I had my glass of Pinot Noir. <laughs> I think I had a Corona, right? Eh? Yeah, no. that was a real sophisticated one. So we had the yeah, sophisticated yeah. and the the twelvey over here. I mean, oh, which is funny. No, we made a comment because we were dressed in the opposite. Yeah, yeah. You were yeah. dressed in all casual. I just came back from um, 
the thing that I was acting in. And I, I just came back from week. work, so I was literally just in like my work pants and a shirt. I was wearing like basically a half suit, mm. you know, just missing the tie. And then we had the wrong drinks in our hands. Like and I, I was, was just like swirling <laughs> my wine. Yeah, and I had my Corona. I was like, we need to switch. <laughs> the, like the spit bucket out. <laughs> don't, you, don't you miss those days when like going to the theatre was like an event? Like, you yeah, know, like, everyone can got be. real. But, I don't yeah. know, like, that was one thing I noticed when I was, like, seeing all those shows in New York, and I was, like, oh, wow, trying okay. to dress nicely, and, like, of course, so many tourists go see all the shows, so, like, they're all dressed, like, in sweatpants well, and, like, that... the Hawaiian yeah. shirts. That's Fair what enough. I really like about, um, I know last year I went to a one-night-only screening of Mandy, because it was such oh. a small film, they decided to just do one screening, and it just, re- it really did feel like an event because it was the mm. only screening in town. Yeah. Because it was so popular, Luna were like, oh crap, like we should do a encore screenings. And they just brought mm-hmm. it back for like a week or something like that. Wow, but awesome. yeah, it really felt like an event. So I, for small films like that, I really wish they would just do that. Like, you know, just do a one night only screening and then yeah. Yeah, yeah. people hyped for it. And well, yeah. Not not to like dwell this in my section, but I mean, Disconnected was an event. If you really yeah, think about yeah. it, people dressed up and it was a small little one time, you're right, one time screening. So it's a big deal. And that was a fun night. I so, haven't seen Disconnected. That's true. But I we're, bailed. We're, we're, looking in, we're looking into other alternatives, don't worry. For but, my but, partner's <laughs> birthday. <laughs> well, you know what, sir? Um, could have no, taken but, it to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I could have. Yeah. I could have. But we were what drinking hell, alcohol man? and... Everyone, yeah. So was there one of the movies? How do you think we got through the movie? No, but you're right. Like That, that event of making an event out of a screen. Yeah. You know, yeah. That was fun. I think that's the thing. It's like... Just, it'd be nice. And I think mm. those smaller, like the Lunars and, and the Backlots, they tend to feel more like an event because they're a little bit more condensed and smaller. Yeah. Well, it's a theatre with character, mm. you know. It'd I... be nice for, like, the Lux theatres. Yeah. The, what's that one in the city? It's uh, like so, Palace Platinum. Palace uh... Platinum. It'd be nice if those ones were, like, you have to dress in, like, semi-formal yeah. attire. Yeah. They don't have the... a dress code, but it would be nice if they had a dress code. Yeah, I'd say it not. feels more like they have one than don't sort of thing. You yeah, know, in some yeah. ways, it's kind of more of a social thing. It's like you hear gold class, and then so in your mind you're thinking, "Oh, do I have to wear something fancy?" But yeah. do I have to wear There's like golden really no suits? <laughs> it's like the th- even with like things like the casino and like how the casino used to be, you had to wear semi. And now there's just bogans yeah. rocking up with like <laughs> yeah. shorts and thongs, and oh, just... we weren't allowed to cross it with the flag, remember? Yeah, we went. We went to a Frio game a few weeks back, ah. and we needed to cross the casino for like a, I think a taxi or something. We were looking for something, and they wouldn't let us through because I had my little Frio flag. Yeah, dangling. Um, I just realised we've gone completely off track about mid nineties. Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about mid nineties because I wanted I wanted to wait till you came on the show to talk yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, so Jonah Hill's directorial debut can confirm. <laughs> Do you want to check that one up? I can check it right now. <laughs> let's check it. Yep. Uh, distributed by A twenty four. Um, I. This was released in America like mid last year, and we mid did... twenty eighteen. I know someone who um I work with who pirated it, and <gasps> like last year. Who would being do a bit, such a being thing? A bit cheeky. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to pirate this. I'm going to wait for it to come out. And finally, it came out. And I'm like, oh, this is surprisingly like pretty good. I I really enjoyed it. I like the um yeah. the aspect ratio and the fact that I forgot about that. Yeah, it feels like a product of the nineties. Is it Letterbox? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of like a home video 90s thing. You get the little mm. checkered square thing there. Yeah, yeah. And That's like cool. it's all shot on film as well. And, you know, yeah. the soundtrack's like very 90s. And 
Yeah. Wasn't Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 awesome? No, but, no, but no. But it was wasn't. 90s awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, I remember quoting you last week. You you compared it to a silent film almost. Yeah, yeah. And look, maybe it's just me, my mind going places because sometimes my mind goes very weird places. But it just <laughs> reminds... There were some moments where they would just drown out the dialogue and then just fill it with like a score or something. Yeah. Um, particularly that moment, uh, you'll probably remember it, where... Mm. They're all running away from the cops, and the main character hides behind like a bin or something. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. just the music, like the piano—I think it was a piano music or something like that. But it just really felt like a, almost felt like a silent film. I was just like, oh, this is kind of cool. That was a great. I mean, I talked to you about it, it was a great moment because it's almost like the cops chasing like, the flock of birds, yeah, 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 trying to get out of there when like all these skaters are not where they're meant to be, sort of thing. Mm. Um, but you're right, it had that total silent film effect because you're right, everything was completely drained out, other than the music. Yeah. Which goes back to your like you know playing a piano next to the screen sort of yeah, uh, yeah. feeling, and apparently there's still theaters that do that in the U.S. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, there's um my favorite YouTuber Austin McConnell. He has a video about it. But there's, huh. there's theaters that still do that hmm. silent film treatment where they actually play live orchestras in front of a screen. Funny you should mention that. Uh, one of my lecturers, former lecturers from hmm. ECU, he runs the Rev um. Revel 8 uh, Super 8 competition for the okay. Rev Film Festival. Yep. So it's like you basically make a film on a uh, Super 8 camera and what they do is because, you know, it's old camera, they mm. get they get the students to go out and film stuff and yep. then they don't record any sound and they literally get bands to compose on the night, essentially. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a real bridge version. Cool. I can't remember the specifics of it, but yeah, like it's it, it's kind of like that experience. experience. Well, that's that's yeah. like um yeah, like they always do screenings all over America, like for the first episodes of Game of Thrones every season. They get oh, the orchestra yeah. to play the intro. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, that's so backlot backlot doing their Game of Thrones weekly streamings. I think really, I think yeah, stream. Pre- uh, John Snow dies. <laughs> oh, not yet. No, he dies and comes back. You're not a Game of Thrones fan, Jesse. I've only seen the first episode. I haven't seen any. Game of Thrones, to me, is essentially what the Kardashians are to me as well. Wow. I don't have to watch it, but because everyone's talking about it, I automatically know everything that's happened. Yeah. So... That's like... That's crazy. I never thought I'd ever hear someone compare to the the Kardashians, man. Well, you know, like... I don't need to watch it. It's just mm. it's it's so ingrained into our society that like everyone's watching it. That I'm Isn't just it like, fascinating though? Like yeah. the, the cultural impact a show is. It's made. like there are a group of people that won't watch Star Wars because it's that. It's, yeah, yeah. Like people, there are people like that. Yeah, you like won't watch it because it's too popular. Which yeah, doesn't make sense to me at all. Well, it's not that I'm boycotting it. It's just that I can't really be bothered because yeah. it's, it's it's almost. Maybe I will watch it once the hype dies down, like yeah. in a couple of years when everyone's forgotten. When about you can it. approach it from a more like analytical yeah, point. I mean, yeah. yeah. If yeah. you look at Breaking Bad in 2013, that was huge. Mm, yeah. And I remember now it was so, those last down. few. Yeah, exactly. And those mm. last few episodes, man, no, no one would stop talking about it at the time. Mm. Be great though. Um, oh, it's amazing. But I didn't watch it till after the show wrapped. Wow. So at least so, you got to precede it. Yeah, I think I started it like six months after it finished. You know, oh, I kind wow. of, I just kind of watched it at my own pace over like a month. Um, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Amazing yeah. stuff. Well, I watched Brace Yourselves, guys. Here we so, go. Hold on. Uh, uh, 
I like doing drinking games sometimes, you know, when you're about to go <laughs> this is out. a great start. You're about to take, <laughs> you're, you take a movie and you go, we're going to make this into a drinking game. So yep. me and Jack Bett, who was last, last, week's guest, last week's guest and has been on a couple of the episodes and, of course, is a ZKJ boy. Um, yeah, the boys. On the boys. We're about to go out in the town and we figured... Was this Friday? Friday. Oh, okay. Um, that we'd gear up by watching uh, The Kissing Booth. Um, oh, you finally watched The Kissing and Booth. And I had never seen The Kissing Booth I before. I feel like I know what this is. It's but... a Netflix film. Oh, okay, yeah, I've heard of it. Haven't In seen spite it, of no. last week, they announced, I think, Kissing Booth 2. Oh, they announced that months ago. Months ago. I'm yes, surprised yeah. they didn't call it Kissing Tooth. Oh, you know what they should have called? <laughs> That's they a terrible sh- joke. No, no, the best part is that probably reflects the comedy in that yeah, movie. Exactly. So. <laughs> they should have called the second Scooby Doo film Scooby Dooby Two. No, or Scooby Two. They actually should have called it that. But thank you. Anyway, <laughs> basically, the, it was a very simple game. Every time you cringe at something, you drink. And I tell you, are you still alive? I got smashed. You did? Yeah. I when you entered the city. I sank. You want to take? I'll get you. You both get a guess. How many beers did I sink by the end of a hundred-minute film? Seven. Like a full beer. Yeah. Seven. How many beers did I'm I sink? I'm gonna say nine. Seven. Both down the middle it was eight. Wow. Oh. <laughs> My go-to number when High people five. ask me what a number is, yeah. I'll just say seven. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. I sank seven beers, and that was probably because Even by eight. the sixth beer, oh, eight beers. Mate. By the, by, the, by the seventh Infinity beer. Infinity War. <laughs> by the seventh beer, I was like, I'm going to like everything's starting to get oh. Holy camoly. Like, I know that they're, they're, I've talked about this before. I feel like Netflix have now developed this almost like plan where they, like, as Jack says, he's like, I feel like they just make five feature rom-coms. Mm. At the same time. At the same time, and then just put them out over the course of a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Because they feel, they have very similar casts. Mm. Um, they all feel like they're shot on, not the highest range camera, but a pretty quality camera, but not, mm. like, you know, something that, like... I don't know, maybe like something in the, Earth's the name realm. in my head. Honestly, like mm. it honestly feels like like something that's shot on like an Ursa or something, maybe or like a red. Like yeah. something yeah. like that in that realm. I mean reds still look pretty good though. Yeah. Oh they look still visual but they yeah. st- they also look flat as fuck because mm. they don't do anything in the spaces. It very much feels like it gets to the point where it almost feels like a corporate video. Yeah. <laughs> ironically. I get that. Yeah. And yeah. it just they're flat. They're unimaginative. I feel like someone goes, "Hey, we need you to give us a rom-com script." So it's like a Nickelodeon film from 2003, like yeah, the kind uh, of lighting and so stuff. So I guess this is like the rebirth of you know how like the mid 2000s, how we got all those just really generic rom-coms. I guess yeah. this is yeah. this is and they, and they died out for a period, mm. and now I They're feel like maybe back. with streaming, it's just all the director Netflix. Well, rom-coms it's, it's cheap it's become do. a weekly thing for me to watch yeah. a really shitty rom-com I watched Ghost of Girlfriends past few weeks ago mm. I watched The Ugly Truth last week and then yeah, I watched yeah The Ugly Truth and now I watched this Sorry. movie and I'm thinking to myself I'm like why am I torturing myself with these mm. oh wait I like having a drinking game mm-hmm. it's uh, a bit of man. fun yeah you saw this other stuff this week surely as well I did. I saw. Some I did. Stuff. I saw Dogtown and with oh, no one cares and the boys. No, oh, okay. Which oh, I saw I'll that just last. Leave them. No. I saw that Storms last out. week, yep. and then I also got to see uh, Minority Report for the first time. <laughs> okay. So I've really been just jumping on, which is funny when we're talking about a uh, Marie. How do I say it? Marie Antoinette. There we go. Um, Antoinette. Oui, oui. This was kind of the polar opposite. <laughs> I'd never seen Minority Report before, mm. and. Um, 
Yeah. It was a very meh week for me okay. with films. Just didn't have anything okay. else. Fair enough. Okay. I've had some real doozy weeks where it's like, boy. Well, uh, I had a very good week for mm. films. Oh. Um, I mainly watched one film this week. Um, <gasps> the 2012 Paul Thomas Anderson classic, The Master. Um, stars Joaquin of Phoenix. Disguise. No, no, just the master. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, stars Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, you told me about this. A, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah, that's all <laughs> exactly. you need to know. Yeah. Um, it's got a supporting cast of Laura Dern, Amy Adams, and Rami Malek. Yeah. Oh, really? I'm oh. not a big Amy Adams fan. Me? Oh, uh, no, you can get out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm replacing Zeke on yeah. this podcast. Okay, fair enough. No, no, no. <laughs> Hi, I turned the corner with Amy Adams with... I did Arrival? actually really liked her in Vice. Okay. okay. Um, and Arrival were the two big turning turning okay. point yeah, movies yeah, I've had. Yeah, with those her. are great. But prior to that, American Hustle and anything else I'd seen her in yeah. just didn't click. Well, basically, uh, The Master is a drama, and it's like about this uh, World War Two veteran, and he's struggling to adjust to everyday life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like the 1950s. Uh, one day he's just like roaming around, and he stumbles across a like this cruise ship thing and on this cruise ship just so happens to be this weird Scientology kind of cult mm. run by Philip Seymour Hoffman and he he he's looking for a place and a purpose so he he decides oh yeah fair enough I let's <coughs> let's see how this goes yeah and you know they're trying to indoctrinate him into this this cult by getting him to uh you know say like uh believe what he says and like just re- repeat it over and over again until it sticks in his head. But it's when not he... your fault, you see. Oh yeah, it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. And he's trying to repeat and to fit in, but it's just not sticking with him. Yeah. Mm. Like he's he's trying to adjust, but he does not fit that mold. Um, and honestly, I reckon it's probably like one of the most fantastic films I've seen in the past couple of months. Damn. It Damn. was. I was blown away. It's like two uh, two hours and twenty minutes long, mm. and it's literally two hours and twenty minutes of Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix trying to one up each other in terms of who's the better actor. Yeah, because you're like, oh yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is great in this scene, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman comes in and it's like, here, hold my beer. And Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix is like, no, here, hold my beer. And then it's just like, it's just this and then Zeke drank all the beers. That'd be that'd be pretty close to when. Hoffman passed away, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, because he was in one of the Hunger Games films or something, and he died halfway uh, through filming. Yeah, the last one, I think. Yeah, That's something. Like I think that. he got. I think a couple of scenes were cut because he. Mm. Yeah, but there is like an amazing scene about a third of the way through. I, mean, I totally forgot he passed away, and then when you mentioned it, yeah. just then casual, I was like, <gasps> in my head, I was like, oh wait, no, it's pretty yeah, hard. I like, it's that. really interesting watching Hoffman in like. Mm. anything and you mm-hmm. just like you really do gauge how amazing he is as an actor oh, yeah. yeah like even in his like smaller like more supplementary roles like when he even in him mm. in like big lebowski yeah, like, oh, yeah, where yeah, he's yeah, just, yeah yeah that's so great he's just perfect he's but, perfect in yeah it. but one of the things i loved about this movie there's about a, a scene about a third of the way through i think it might have been in the trailer where it's just this one take of philip seymour hoffman interrogating joaquin phoenix because mm. he's trying to suss him out to see if oh if he's actually wants to genuinely join this cult or if he's just making yeah. it all up kind of thing. Mm. And you see Joaquin Phoenix going thinking, oh, I'm so smug, I'm going to survive this interrogation. It's going to be great. And you see him, like, crumble mm. and he starts, like, losing it and bursting into tears and just holds on him and just 
the range of emotions on his face is so fascinating to watch. Um, mm. I feel as if uh, the reason why he took this role on was because... I don't know if you guys know about uh, this about him, but him and River Phoenix, when they were growing up, uh, their parents actually joined a cult when they were younger. And he is this really, like, abusive cult called The Family or something like that. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of, like, sexual abuse and stuff like that. And they eventually, like, fled that because they were like, no, we this is, this is crap. But um, I feel as if, like... The reason he picked this movie was because he's like, well, I I know what it's like to be absolutely. Kind of yeah. This is this is what's driving my performance. Um, but yeah, I would strongly recommend it. I watched it on iTunes. Uh, definitely worth renting for five ninety nine or whatever so it is. Master of Disguise, got it. <laughs> Masters of the Universe. <laughs> well, before, we, before we uh before we bridge into uh career driven stuff, mm-hmm. I do want to address the trailers of this week. Oh, what what do we? Oh. oh no! Because <laughs> oh, no, a certain trailer came out, Zeke, and no. Jack was very happy to show everyone no, this trailer, Zeke. and we can't not talk about it. The Sonic the Hedgehog trailer no. came out in the last no. week. I have words about this, and <laughs> I wanted to just no, gauge no. every because we've done trailer talk pretty weekly, and yeah, I just want to become a thing. Yeah, um, it's reasonable. But why did it become a thing? You <laughs> made it. I think you brought yeah, Dora. I did it, I did it once. <laughs> So let's let's go. <laughs> Everyone's watched the trailer. What's oh, everyone's initial reaction? Help me! <laughs> it's so fucking bad. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So, no, I was gonna say like, so they've since come out and said we're gonna redesign um the character. Yes. Um, to you know, to appease fans, and I'm think I'm seeing like that's like the thirtieth worst thing about this trailer. There's like mm. twenty nine other things you need to address yeah. first. What mm. the child abduction joke in the middle oh, of the yeah. Yeah. music <laughs> is a horrific <laughs> choice. <laughs> was it Jack who did yeah. he love it or hate it? I don't even remember. No, he hated the show. Yeah, okay, good. But it was like oh, really, Jada I... loves it though. Oh, I was God. talking to Jada. She's I'm really excited about. Okay. <laughs> so okay. What's, uh, what's your verdict, Jesse? Okay, I've got three short things to say about. It. Firstly, okay. I agree. It's, it's terrible. I it was really cringy. Did not like it at all. I wonder if it's capitalizing off Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I feel like it is. It's going to yeah. be a terrible. Second comparison. thing, in a weird way, I'm kind of curious to see Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey as yeah. Eggman. I'm kind of like I know it's going to be terrible. Only if we get like a a Jim and Eggman documentary out of it. <laughs> yeah, you said, you said that today, didn't you, on the group chat? Jim it's and Eggman. Go <laughs> on the shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like he's in a padded cell like with a straight jacket and he's just like I just love these eggs <laughs> but um yeah, yeah no I, I feel like it's gonna be that's gonna be terrible but I'm kinda curious to see what he does with it we're gonna like watch it it's kinda gonna be an Ace Ventura vibes from if it if we get a Jim and Egg documentary out of this it'll be worth it I'm just saying so, I want that dude to make another yeah. documentary like that. On a more serious note, okay, I understand why people want the redesign to happen, but yeah. that really pisses me off because... They're yeah, giving into they, it now. They've taken a creative approach to it and maybe people don't like it, but now this means that these animators who are probably, you know, not getting as yeah. paid as what they would are now being forced to, like, 
completely redesigned the character and they they haven't announced a re like a different release date so it means they yeah. got less that basically they're going to be having a lot of sleepless nights and i that's, reckon that's unfair yeah. that's well, because that was my first reaction of like well clearly one of the things they're going to change is probably like the legs mm. his legs are way like they go higher up in his body yeah. i guess in the video game design and it's like I mean, I know they would have shot plates and stuff in the film, yeah. but it's like, are they really able to like go back and easily mm. change all that? And this is all the lighting of, and everything. This is all because a bunch of sixteen-year-olds online were like, oh, "I don't like the look of Sonic." Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so silly. he still looks like Sonic. Yeah, like enough... if anything, it's his eyes that are probably. <sighs> but even then, just, like, who but the even eyes? if it was, yeah, yeah. If it was just the eyes, that's probably like that that's will take doable. them to exactly. But a whole redesign, yeah. that's oh, that's a headache and a half. Yeah, because people are already working hard enough. Like yeah. we know that for a fact. I mean, we, could, we just got to ask how many uh, gold rings did Jim Carrey get paid? Probably not. Way too many. I just think it's it's funny, so funny when yeah. I I've consistently talked about with Jim Carrey, how I, I was not a, an Ace Ventura kid or um, some of those real kooky, The Mask. I, I never watched any of I them. I was a Bruce Almighty kid. Yeah. You know, I've never seen Bruce Almighty. Oh, that's so fun. That film is fun, man. I, he becomes s- God for a week. I haven't it's seen Bruce. So I haven't seen any of the Ace Venturas. Liar, um, liar, surely. Haven't seen Liar, liar. Oh my God. Best I, lawyer comedy of all time. <laughs> I just liar, haven't liar. seen the Jim Carrey comedy stuff because whenever I watched trailers for it when I was younger, it just didn't click with me. There were comedies that just attached. To it. He has a very particular type of humor. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like he, if anything, he's actually more for the people that were born four or five years before us. Um, because we're all twenty-one, which yeah, I, I suppose general consensus that more people in their late twenties now really enjoy Jim Carrey comedy, whereas we kind of were more raised on Franco and Rogan comedy. Uh, I okay. know what you are. You are a Mr. Popper's Penguins man. <laughs> That's so insulting. <laughs> but in, and honestly, I've watched what Jim Carrey film. films, film. and I have walked away and been like, that was like. A triumph of sin. I mean, I've ta- I don't shut the fuck up about Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, that's and true. Okay, I don't shut the fuck up about that movie, and I think that movie is amazing. Good old Michael Gondry. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Michelle. Michelle Gondry. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I was oh, sorry. I'm taking piss. I think it's fight. Jesus and Christ! I honestly I will want to bring Michelle, that on I... for a revisit in the future because I would love to sit down and actually have a proper conversation about that film. Sure, watch Lie Lie, um, man. So we could good. do a Jim Carrey special. Um, so good. <laughs> we like watch a really serious and a really. Tri- do it like following up to the Sonic movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that uh, going to be our movie of the week? Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, no. And Truman Show. Like I love Truman Show. Oh, like that's great. these these films that that and even that one pushes him into a slightly more comedic, but not comedic enough. Mm. You know. And I think he's a really talented actor. And that Jim and Andy documentary, I mean, everyone watched it and were fucking blown away. It's incredible, away. yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I just, it's a shame not seeing him in more of those types of films because he has the acting muscle, especially when we talk about Philip Seymour Hoffman or Joaquin yeah. Phoenix. And we see these people consistently flexing, well, you know, past tense and present tense, consistently flexing their acting credentials. I mean, with. Yeah. Everyone won't shut the fuck up about the Joker movie that's coming out. I was going to oh, say that. I well, can't like, wait for that. Basic, uh, okay, so a bit of context. Before I watched The Master, I was already 100% on board the Joker movie. Yep. After watching The Master, it just reaffirmed my, yeah. my opinions Beautiful. on that. I was like, I can't wait to see yeah. what Joaquin does that's with this. October? What was that? October. Yep. August? 
Yeah. Don't quote me on that. October 4th? It's in that realm. Is his directorial debut, right? <laughs> Todd Phillips. <laughs> but, it's, but it's like, even when people were like Phoenix, even in role, like weaker films, like I know... He's still not, a strong performer. Yeah, like yeah, I, I know a lot of people weren't big fans of Don't Worry, You Won't Get Far and Foot, yeah. which is that movie that came out, which I enjoyed it. I and did I, enjoy that too. Yeah. yeah. And him and Jonah Hill do stand on their own feet in that movie. Even Jack Black in that movie. Yeah. He was great. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Was. I watched what, that what? late last year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a film about a... I was a, telling you about this after the you? 90s. Yeah. Don't oh. worry, you won't get far on foot. See, it sounded very familiar, but I'm like, I don't know what this he's is. A, he's, a quadrupe- he's a quadriplegic and he becomes a cartoonist. Okay. But he writes very, like, he makes very politically incorrect Oh, cartoons. I do remember you telling yeah. me about this. Okay. There's a movie... No, you're talking right, about yeah. Jonah Hill. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, Jonah yeah. Hill is amazing in that. But it got a lot of criticism because people thought it was like too much of one of those acting showcase films where it was like, oh, these What's actors are just trying to be acting. And also, didn't they ever go up the fact that, oh, Joaquin Phoenix is in a, in a wheelchair. He's not allowed to play wheelchair Oh, my people. God, I hate like, that so much. It's like uh, uh, straight people can't play gay people in movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah. You know? It's so silly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so very silly. silly. It's called but, acting. You're playing someone exactly. you know. Let's shift into careers because you both got Quite a bit to talk about Let's with your start with careers. Jesse, because he's got some big news. Big, juicy news. Oh big, juicy God. news. Fresh, hot off the presses. Here's Cinema Sideshow hot project. Scoop. <laughs> hot scoop. Um, so, <laughs> I made a little film last year a for little. my independent study, uh, like last semester of uni, called Overdue. It's a bittersweet coming-of-age tale about a young woman who discovers uh, this nostalgic woman uh, who discovers her favourite video rental store, the last in the town she's in, is closing down. And so mm. she wants to try and fight this and protest this, but everyone around her is essentially like, what's the point? You know, it's a lost cause, just move on kind of thing. And the whole film's basically based on some personal things that I went through in my life and how... Yes, it's great to feel nostalgic about the past, but there's a point where you realise you have to move on, essentially. Um, and so it was. It, it's not a perfect film. There's a lot of sound issues in it, but I feel like oh, it's no. got a... I, I, cinematography, I will say, is great. I love my cinematographer, uh, Cameron Green. He's he's did an amazing job with it. My actors were brilliant with what they were given. Um, script could be a lot tighter, and... The audio is not that great, but it's got a heart of gold. Um, so basically, to the reason why I'm bringing this film up is because I am releasing it online at the end of the week. Hell yeah! Comes out on the ninth. Ninth. I timed. So so I literally first, like though. one day, like, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, I need to pick a day, and then I was like. What day did movies come out in Australia? Uh, like, Thursday. <laughs> okay, Thursday of that week. <laughs> no, that works. That no, works. works very well. Yeah, uh, the that's reason exciting. why I held off uh, was because I finished it. I finished a cut to submit to my lecturers about yep. first week of December last year. Mm-hmm. I still, but there were some things I needed to change. But I was quite worn out by the film, so I gave myself the December holidays just to take a break from it and mm-hmm. approach it in January. So mid-January came, I finished off those little things I needed to tweak and just said, right, this is the final cut. I can't make any more changes to this. Mm-hmm. Submitted it to APA festivals, did not get into any of them, did not get selected, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, I need to release this at some point. So I'm just 
releasing it. This well, week. I mean, enough. at the end of the day, it's all a pro- it's a marathon, yeah. not a sprint. Exactly. And yeah. I've talked about it for weeks on this show. We, we've all had our festival kind of Shazam uh, issues. I don't know what the hell Shazam's most mean in that. You know, you're right. Yeah, Zachary Levi didn't get yeah. recognised. <laughs> um, but the no, film's about an orphan. But <laughs> about an orphan. No, honestly, it's it, I've talked about it on weeks. Jake's talked yeah. about it in the last couple of weeks where it's like, there are people in our industry who I think are missing the point. It's it, mm. it takes years to hone your craft properly, and it, as much as we'd all love to be our our first directorial films, the one that just hits it out of the park, and then suddenly we start our Cinderella story to the top. It's not like that. Mm. It's it's years, and like even in just the the funny part is we did talk about it a couple of weeks ago when the Pretender came out. Even in just that year. Of those, like you look at faces and you look at the pretender, you do see growth and development, yeah. and on both on set and in the final film, in everyone mm. in that crew. Yeah, and no, no I definitely felt a sense of growth with this. Yeah, um, yeah, I learnt so much. Um, this was one of, I mean, I directed a handful of small things, but this was like one of my like, probably the biggest film I've made. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of hard to work. A lot point. of yeah, yeah. To this point, that. to this point, um, <laughs> a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. A lot of people saying, "Yeah, I'll do it," and then and then they drop out halfway through, and then uh, you're yeah. like, "Well, now I guess I'm taking up the, that role as well." Mm. Um, yeah. So. Not easy being a director. Mm, no. I've, I've making kinda, man. It's, it's, <laughs> it's it is, yeah. and it's it's something that like you just got all this stuff. You got to learn it the hard way. And that's just the truth of it. It would be nice if we all could just, yeah, hit it out of the park. But it's, it's you know, it's like I said, it's a marathon. So, yeah. and it'll come out and you'll be very happy that it'll be out. Well, I'm be really, I've, I mean, I've been waiting for this for f- forever. You know, we've been, been talking about it for ages. And, um, yeah, I've yeah. been hyping it up on my socials. And yeah. every time Jake is always like the first or second one to oh, like it. Yeah. <laughs> I give it a love oh, hug reaction. I think, I think the thing is, yeah. We've got to support each other, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I have a tendency kind of awesome. with, with my films to tend to just be like, oh, it's coming out Friday. And I drop it on like the post on the Monday and then put it mm. out on the Friday. You and Jake tend we've, to draw out your campaigns. We've a talked bit about this before. Yeah. Like us two, we're more of the yeah, the hype, the hype people. You know. Yeah, I I appreciate good marketing as mm. well, and mm. um, you know, releasing posters, release, releasing trailers, releasing little uh, screenshots and stuff like that, just to you know generate the hype. Yeah. Um, because I just didn't want, regardless of whether going to festivals or not, I didn't want to finish the cut and just dump it online. I wanted to. Give that time to hmm. submit it to places, but also tease it at the same time. If it didn't get into any festivals, fair enough. I'm still well, I teasing like that it. You revisited it, like yeah. you took that month off. You were like, "I'm going to." I'm touch glad up I things. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we did the pre- cut end up longer. It only ended up being about. I think I only added about fifteen seconds okay. onto or something yeah, like nice. that. But it just—I was completely exhausted because yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. had a busy last mm. semester and I couldn't look at it without just having a heap of baggage from other things. I just needed mm-hmm. a solid month just to write. And then I came at it with a fresh eyes and I was like... That's like yeah. literally what I did with Home Again. I think we finished shooting. When did we finish shooting that, Jake? That was like... Oh, man. Or October? Yeah. I didn't touch... Early October? The edit for yeah. Home Again till mm. December. I took all of November off. Actually, you know what? I did the same with Disconnected. Between shooting and editing, it was like four months. Yeah. It's a big chunk of time. You, uh, all that baggage you mm. get from... 
especially yeah, like things like Disconnected, where the shooting went over the course of what eight months. Yeah, relatively. Yeah, and Home Again had three days in a row, and then yeah. disappeared for three months, and then Ooh, came back for its last day. day. Yeah, and that was enough to be like, okay, I'm not touching. I'm gonna put the folders, organize the folders, mm. get all the stuff, and just leave it there. And I didn't touch it until literally, I think two days before we had our, like... Well, yeah, because what, uh, what that helps with, especially if you have that much distance between um, shooting and editing, not you can't always do, like, I imagine, Jesse, because yours was part of an assignment at one point, yeah. that you kind of... You didn't have time to just sit around for a lot no, of that. No, 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 I didn't. I had to yeah. pump it out, and and because it was independent study, my... Yep. Um, one of my lecturers uh, was assigned to be my mentor for that mm. project, yep. and so I would submit it to her, and she'd be like, yeah, that's good, but you could do better. Mm. And then I'd go back and edit, but how about this? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, that's good, but you can do better. And it was annoying at the time, but I oh, get why she's yeah. doing it. It was a good approach to it. She didn't just go, yeah, that's fine, cool, whatever, submit. Hindsight is the biggest thing in filmmaking, yeah. absolutely. Um, but it was like it was like I was saying, you know, when you have that much time between shooting and editing, you're able to throw a lot of those kind of onset stories out of your head, even if everything went completely well. You might get into the editing suite and realize, oh, this coverage we don't need. Mm. Or you might have spent hours trying to get all this coverage for a scene, be like, oh, we only need this one take oh, from yeah. it. Like, just stuff like that. Mm. It's easier to be more picky with mm. your choices. The final shot mm. of Overgy, I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah. But when I was writing it, I had a distinct idea of what that final shot was going to be. Yeah. We filmed it and then we put it in and I showed it to my lecturer and she was like, it doesn't. This film doesn't feel like it has a proper ending, like a finality to it. Okay. So she was like, you don't have that long, but I think you need to do a different ending. And I was like, oh, crap. So then, like, I literally went back to the drawing board for a little bit and put an ending in it. And she she looked at it. She was like, this is much better. We just quickly shot this one little... Didn't even need actors in it kind of thing. We just shot this one shot of a sign and we're like, this feels like it's actually. Oh, I feel like I. Well, it'll yeah. be it'll be great to get you on in a couple of weeks yeah. to really kind of like talk about stuff, everything. Yeah, yeah mm. go through your film. Full spoiler review. Full spoiler. What went wrong? <laughs> yeah, no, whole production content, learning experiences. This is literally what this podcast is about. Half of it is about mm. watching a movie every week and talking about that film. Oh yeah, and then also drawing in our own. I've got life some juicy stories from that set. Awesome. It's been. It, it was a great experience. Yeah. As a whole. But like when you have those deadlines, it does press everything, and you don't yeah. get as much time to process. We're disconnected up until when you re- like literally mm. announced a premiere date. There wasn't a deadline for mm. it. Well, I had in- I had internal deadlines in my head, yes. like. Uh, a good example would be one of our main actresses, uh, Michaela, uh, was moving to Melbourne permanently, mm-hmm. and she lives wow. in Melbourne now. And one of my hopeful goals was to finish it before she left, and I didn't hit that goal. So she saw an early cut, mm. but she left before the premiere, and she didn't get to have that experience, which I felt bad about. But you're right; you got to you got to prioritize in that regard of what's the point of releasing a film two months early for something like that. Yeah, well, that was when it's that was the thing, the and. Uh, like with with home again, yep. my internal goal was get it done by New Year's New Year's twenty eighteen, mm. and I ended up getting it done. I think it was like two days into the year, six yeah. that you released it. Yeah, mm. so I think I got it done on literally the day or two after that. But there was a lot of pressure in December from cast in particular that were talking about wanting to get it out and done yeah. for showreel reasons, and there was a lot like there was stuff there, and it's funny going back and looking at it now. 
It's uh, when you have that hindsight, you're just like, oh, well, I could have done that better. But if and you're Zeke not Morgan learning... hindsight, like, yeah, if you don't, if you don't learn it, it's like, what's the point of making them basically? If you're exactly. not learning something from them, because sure. I think people have that disillusioned thing is particularly when we all first get into our like first major productions, we all think everything's going to run mm. smoothly. And, and I, we're yeah. going to get this perfect film that comes out of it. Yeah. And, and I think that's one thing I've had to grapple with as well is I think when I was making, I was thinking, oh, this is going to get, people are going to relate to this so much. It's going to get in all these mm. festivals. And then when I got all these rejection letters, I'm like, well, maybe this is just something I will just have to dump online and maybe the next one will be it kind of thing. Or maybe it's three films down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. It's but tough. It really is. But honestly, you know. we had a very similar experience when we released our first film. I mean, Faces, and we yeah, we we which I away. worked on. Yeah, that's true. You, you, did, were, you did. were on that set. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had big hopes for that festival. We did, and didn't land in anything. And mm. that, but that was fine because we kept our bowl rolling and kept making other stuff. A and bowl rolling, bowl, or yeah. bowl, the bowl rolling, bowl. 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 How do you roll a bowl? bowl. <laughs> you can roll a bowl. You can try. Um, <laughs> and I think that's the thing, though. And we walked away, and that was a very positive experience. That whole level, yeah. like from start to finish, to that production. But it, you know, even in hindsight, you look at that film and you go. For me, at that point, that was a really good job. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to do it again. So you you said hindsight, and we ah, just looked yeah. at each other. So, we, the thing with Face as well was that we, we ended up doing that thing we talked about, where you, we hyped the release. We had a trailer. Yeah. Within the week of it, Like we, we put out the casting crew headshots. Mm. Um, we put out little promo stuff of like James acting in character at the beach, being like, "Oh, hey guys, Frank Reynolds here," you know. <laughs> and then even after that, we we released the behind the sets, uh, behind the scenes photos that you took some of Jesse. Yeah. Um, we released those kind of periodically mm. and stuff, and like you put out a poster right before the films. Like, like we did that whole shabam, and it made it feel really important within our community. Yeah, so it came yeah. together really well. And it's it honestly, it was like the it's the experience and learning yeah. and. I'm really looking forward to watching your film because it's it'll be nice to see someone who was li- literally in the position that Jake and I are about to go in with our last film too mm, for university true. too. So it'll be really interesting to see, mm. you know, the bar, the bar, <laughs> the bar, the bar. And we gone girl now. Yeah, but um, I was at the bar. What about you, Jake? Mad. What have you been up to? Um, I've done a few things in the past, which is why I haven't watched any. <laughs> Well, I've watched the one. We'll get to that very momentarily. Um, well, if you if you follow Clicker, you will notice that um, we've put out a new trailer for X Rental. Kind of mm. a nice little segue from your film. Yeah, you Jesse, ripped well, off my idea. Oh no! Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> well, I do need to talk to you about something to do with X Rental after okay. the show. Okay, interesting. Well, um, yeah. So we put out a new trailer because what we're doing, we're periodically revealing that we're not just doing Blockbuster as our main store focal point. Uh, we're also doing video easy, and which that's is what where I shot at. Which is where you shot at. And when I when I called Matt to do that interview, he mentioned your film. Yeah. Without knowing that I knew you in person, <laughs> so that was a great. cool little note in the phone call. I was like, I know that guy. He's like, what? <laughs> what? Um, so no, that was a fun little thing. So that's yeah. where part of that doco goes, and we got a little bit more to reveal down the line. But um, nice. Yeah. So that trailer's out now. A little more extra hype for everyone. Mm. Um, and then this morning we filmed the disconnected commentary track, which is very Ooh, exciting. Nice. So. More info on the DVD very soon, but it's coming away pretty pretty well. Um, and I also shot. Um, I mean, Zig, you have your own version of this as well, but I've done I've done shooting for a factual video or a corporate video that I've worked on, and um, 
Hopefully that will come out in the next few weeks. So we shot that last Wednesday. And I know you have a corporate video. I do. Potentially. I do. Uh, We've shot the first half, so we've shot all the interview stuff, and we're going to get all the B-roll and uh, reenactments. All that stuff on the second shooting. Whoa! Whoa. It's called a video, so it's it's all constructed. But um, (gasps) yeah, we'll just be looking to get that stuff done in the next couple of weeks. Nice. Don't think that'll make it to our channel. It might. Um, Oh, no. I don't really care to put up corporate videos on the channel because I I do like them, but and they are great portfolio pieces, but I don't think anyone who's, at least who follows my production mine and jack's production company really cares to particularly it's the video is literally about like a guy who owns like a uh like he inspects properties like purchase properties so i mean how many people how many of you guys really want to watch corporate videos oh but, i'm there opening no, i've I, got I my popcorn there. i've got uh, my jumbo so, pepsi max let's do a dcp of the of this corporate video yeah it's yeah out the back lot like, <laughs> and i don't know like well no creative has its photography stuff too um, That's why like... it's called creative. I I I didn't mm. want to limit myself to films or yep. f- photography. At the end of my yep. company, I was like creative because I like to take photos, video, dabbling in a bit of graphic design. Well, yeah. we we established nearly two years ago that ours is a pattern yep. place for podcasts, films, mm. documentaries. I mean, productions is a broad term yep. as well. Like I was happy to put that on on Clicker yeah. as well as obviously you with CKJ. Yeah. So I don't think you'll see much of mine, but if you see Jake's, that'll be pretty sweet. Before we jump into our main film, guys, and don't don't punch me, Zeke, but I do want to talk a bit about the Avengers Endgame worldwide gross. Oh. Because I'm putting it out there worldwide that it is going to top Avatar oh, as the highest grossing film boy. of all time. Now, where are we at right now? Well, uh, as of, uh, I believe, Friday night... Uh, keep in mind, this is a US time code. So Friday night for second weekend, the film is at $1.9 billion, which means it's getting close mm. with Avatar, oh. what, 2.78? Yeah. So getting there. Um, should Avatar be scared? Avatar should be scared. And me and Jack have our uh, bet. So mm. if I, yeah, me and Jack bet, have a bet. And if <laughs> Avengers Endgame topples Avatar, and we're talking about the worldwide growth, we're not talking about. um. Uh, domestic, domestic. Well, yeah. not even that so much. The uh, oh, what's it called? Because Gone of the Wind is still technically number one. Oh, you're one. not talking about um, adjusted for inflation. Yeah, thank you. That's inflation, what I was looking for. Yeah. Inflation. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're just talking about beating two point seven eight. Mm. And uh, with that in mind, if it wins, I win a free jug from Jack, and vice oh, versa. Nice. If it doesn't, nice. Because mm. Jack is so certain it's not gonna topple the Avatar. Nice, nice. Um, on yeah. that note, yes. you guys did your MCU list. Do you mind if I just quickly breeze Ooh. through my own list? No context. I'll just say number, no title, and you guys make a sound as okay. to whether you think that's good I or not. I wish Jack was here. Let's do this. <laughs> um, it's fine. You guys are wrong with your list, but it's fine. Well, well. <laughs> okay, here we go. 22, Incredible Hulk. 21. Screw Thor the, you. Thor the Dark World. Okay. 20, Iron Man 2. 19, yeah. Iron Man 3. 18, Ant-Man. Mm. 17, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, okay. Uh, 16, Thor. Yep. 15, Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, okay. 14, Captain Marvel. 13, okay. Avengers. Whoa! 12, Doctor Strange. Yep. 11, Black Panther. 10, what, Captain America. Black Mar- Panther ahead of Doctor Strange. Oi, right. oi. Okay, okay. No context. Okay. <laughs> uh, 10, Captain America, First Avenger. 
Yep. Nine I'm Guardians Volume Two. Oh. Eight Civil War. Seven Whoa. Avengers Infinity War. Six okay. Iron Man. Yep. Five Ragnarok. Yep. Four Spider Man Homecoming. Yep. Three Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Two Winter Soldier and one Guardians of the Galaxy. Wow. Okay. So we're actually pretty close, me and you, Jesse. We're not like yeah. super out. Yeah. You say we're wrong, but they're not that off. Yours are. I say yours, you guys uh, are wrong. Jack's... I mean, Jack is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Jake and I are more on the Russo brother team. Of Winter Soldier and Civil War. Mm. Um, you put you... Endgame higher than I did. I ended up picking Infinity War at number three, Endgame at number four. Ooh. So, and I think, but you're like, I had Guardians in top three. It was two, I think. Um, I, I would say Guardians Volume Two. You guys completely shat on that last I, week. I protected I it. Love Guardians I Two. Really I really dislike Two. I think you and me had the same rank for yeah. Two. It's I, not as good as Zeke the first, it. but it's got uh, a heart of gold. I think uh, so too. Father and son. Yeah. Tough way to I'm get married. I'm Poppins, yo. Yeah. <laughs> no. He may have been your father, but, but he, he ain't your dad. There's 50 dick jokes in the first 20 minutes. Nah. <laughs> they all fall flat. All right, let's break into our second half of our show. Sure uh, Jesse, what that, are we yeah. watching this week? We are watching uh, the Sofia Coppola film, Mary Antoinette, which came out in 2006. Not her directorial debut. Friendship between Austria and France must be cemented by marriage. An Austrian teenager marries the Dauphine of France and becomes that country's queen following the death of King Louis XV in 1774. Years later, after a life of luxury and privilege, uh, Marie Antoinette loses her head during the French Revolution. He's a laughing bit, already. Bit of, a, bit of a spoiler given the context of this film, but yeah. I don't think it is. Um, I mean... We'll get into it right now. Uh, if only we could have a platform to converse about this film. I know. Um, if only. I mean, do you mind if I yes. dive right in? Spoilers You never, you never see her get decapitated. I was going to say that. That's why I was like, it's, oh. I think the whole reason they put that in the synopsis was more of a play on because everyone knows about Mary Antoinette and the let them eat cake and the decapitation and stuff like that. Um, I feel as if they just chucked that in there Chuck that in there to say, oh, she's losing her head as in she's not sure what to do kind of thing. Emotionally speaking. Yeah, she's emotionally losing her head. Okay, so this was directed by Sofia Coppola. Yep. I found it interesting how you said Coppola. Coppola. I never thought to think about it as Coppola, but... Coppola, Coppola. Yeah, it's tomato, tomato, tomato. tomato, tomato. tomato. Antonetti. Antoinette. No. <laughs> um, oh, no. Uh, I'm sorry to all our French listeners. Yeah, yep, well, all of them. All three of them. Yeah. That's, um, that's, that's wishful thinking. Three. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, okay, so this, was about, this, was, this film was about, what, three years following uh, Lost in Translation, which I did review on my 365 yeah. challenge and gave it a very strong grade. I believe it was 8.25 or 8.5 okay. out of 10. Mm. Do love that movie. Yeah. I uh, love Scarlett Johansson in it and Bill Murray who are pretty dope in that movie. And I am not a big hater on Kirsten Dunst. I think she's fine. I like her. And you won't like 95% of Sofia Coppola's filmography. As they've got Kirsten (laughs) Dunst. Because it's essentially got Kirsten Dunst. I don't think she's... Like, she doesn't bug me. Like, like, you know, we were talking about... Why do people... Why does Jack hate her, for example? I don't know. Uh, maybe he's a sexist. <laughs> but it's like no, but there are there are like we all have actors oh, and actresses that we just do not connect with. Like I would say, big ones I don't connect with 
up until a couple of movies ago was Amy Adams. Okay. So, um, Jennifer Lawrence, I've never got on the Jen. I've never liked Jennifer Lawrence in anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, She's done some stuff publicly that's see, like that rubbed me the me wrong way. For with example, Josh Hutchinson. I did not uh-huh. like him. He he just had just a really weird square face. <laughs> <laughs> And I was That's like, me. I just don't like this guy. Well, people, there are people that don't connect with like people like Emma Watson or things really? like that. that, yeah. that no, no, that's weird to Is me. Is that just because she's like really feminist? She's a political figure now, like, basically. Oh, no, we don't oh, Not oh. everyone likes Daniel Radcliffe. Women can't have Why? Oh. But He's like, so charming. Yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, I'm like, so, but Kirsten Dunst has never, she's been in the neutral middle ground. And yeah, okay. And a lot of this cast that's in this film kind of sit. None of them I particularly like or dislike. Oh, you know, Tom Jason Hardy, man. Schwartzman. Schwar- Wait, Hardy in this film? Yeah, yeah, he's briefly in it. He's in a cameo towards the end. With his phone out, yeah, he's in it. <laughs> um, it's also got it's Steve we talked about. Coogan. It's got um, yeah, Coogan us. Danny Houston. Who else we got? It's got Rip Torn. It does have Rip Torn. Rip Torn. Um, and it's got, uh, what's her face from Veep? Uh, Michelle, uh, uh, Louise Dreyfus? Dreyfus, something. Uh, Dreyfus. I forgot her name. Look, he's correcting Julie who Louise now? Julie Dreyfus. That's, Look, that's... he's correcting who now? The one with the big nose. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's go, let's go. <laughs> let's so go around the table. Today. Uh, Jake, what do you think of the film? Recommended by Jesse, our guest on yes. the show today. That's true. Um, thought it was very well directed. Keep in mind, I watched this with Jesse, so we did a very late night viewing together yeah. um, in, in my in my in my room. Yeah, this mm. is what Thursday night, steamy. Um, so like, steamy, very steamy. Well, I got should, I got should Alicia uh, be listening to this. I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got the Jesse Newell commentary track yeah. um, with the film. Um, so I, I was d- like, I did you get that? Did you get that? <laughs> Every like a single thing would happen, and just be like, look at him, just like. <laughs> like literally the credits begin rolling he's like alright let me rewind to this one scene really quickly um, so with that with that context I definitely picked up on a lot more that I, than I usually would on a first mm-hmm. viewing mm. um, so that said I can see a lot of um, some really clever direct, directing stuff going on um, that being said I mean I, I definitely enjoyed it but I kind of if it wasn't for that, that we we're going to talk about it today I probably would have forgot it okay. fairly quickly to be honest but um, I had fun while I was watching it yeah um, all right, well, Zeke, what did you think? Because okay. Jesse's a recommendator. I, <laughs> I, um, I have a hot take. I literally watched this film An hour three hours ago. Yeah, well, three hours ago or whatever. So, yeah. I mean, you don't have... We, we, it's a very uh, fresh... Jake watched it a couple of days ago. I saw it a couple of months ago, so... But you rewatched. You rewatched. That's good. We'll get. We'll yeah. get every perspective yeah. of this. Yeah. So I'm. I more reflect the person that would if they sat in the cinema. You and just walked, walked out, out of the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um. I didn't enjoy it. Okay. Uh, it's there's... fine, but you're wrong. But it's fine. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I didn't enjoy this film, and it's I'm I've always been a fan. Well, I can't really even say I'm a Sofia Coppola fan because I think I've only really watched Lost in Translation, which I did really enjoy. Watched the Virgin Suicide. I, I probably fantastic debut. Yeah. Um, I do not really care for this film. Um, and it's kind of genre moshing. Um, whenever I watch a film, I give it. Uh, my perception grade, which my grades are subject to change because sometimes you watch a film, think it's not as good, you give it a harsh grade, yeah. you sit back and they subject to change. But then I do go check like things like the Rotten Tomato score and see if I'm... And there have been times where I've been astronomically different to the Tomatoes yeah. meter. This one has not been hailed very well. It's got like a 53 on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes. Um, and I would have put this at about a 
for me like a six out of ten, maybe okay. five point seven five. It's not. It doesn't fail in any way, shape, or form. Mm. In my opinion, I don't really see a character arc. Um, really? Uh, okay, we'll I don't feel like there's a lot of stakes in this film. Really? Ooh. Um, Ooh. And I feel oh, like no. I'm feeling that. I Some don't last feel Jedi fighting around like um, I particularly like her character and where she starts in the film to where she ends. Particularly watching what the favorite at the start of the year. Of mm-hmm. course, I couldn't help but have that in my head in when watching this okay. film. Yeah, obviously, just immediately given... the same. Like I would go to because yeah. that's the most recent, like kind of similar looking what time period piece, piece yeah, time period, thing I watched. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and enjoying that film very much mm-hmm. by you know Lanthimos, and especially since last time you were on the show, Jesse, we talked about Dogtooth. Yeah, um, watching this film just didn't click or get anything from it. Okay, okay. And I walked away kind of like I kept if I keep checking my watch to see how long's going or like how long's gone by, I'm already checking out of the movie partially. I yeah. think this film might have some really clever subtext which I'm sure you're going to talk about mm-hmm. but it just didn't click to me and I feel like if I went and saw that in the theatre I'd walk out pretty lacklustre and pretty just nothing okay. with me well, I, like I don't like the con- well, I can talk more yeah, but yeah, I feel like it's yeah. the floor's yours now okay Jesse. well to be fair you're not you're not in the minority. This film was very divisive at the time. Premiered at Cannes Film Festival mm-hmm. and Cannes Cannes Film Festival, they will either like praise it and just be like, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, or they mm. will boo the shit out of it. Yeah. Mm. They booed this so much. Um, it was very misunderstood by critics at the time, I believe. However, everyone's entitled to their own opinions. Um, however, it has gained a little bit of... Uh, well, being a Sofia Coppola film, it's gained a lot of a cult following over, yeah. over the years. Um yeah, no. The reason why I picked this film is because I'd seen it and I was like, "Holy crap, I kind of, kind of love this," and it just mm. stuck in my mind. But then also as well, the fact that it was quite divisive, I thought this would be a perfect film to dissect because you know you get great films out there and you get trash films out there, and it's yeah. fi- all fine and dandy. But like this film, there's so many angles you can take from it. I feel like would provide provide an interesting discussion and it mm-hmm. goes to show like Zeke didn't kind of was like on the fence of this film mm. Jake qu- seems like he quite enjoys it and then I'm yeah. like the fan like hunt like fangirl of this film essentially right, yeah. um so yeah I really really enjoyed this film so much um particularly the fact that it's on the surface it's a colorful historical period piece mm. however it's essentially a coming-of-age high school drama. Like, aesthetically, thematically, um, yeah, just the whole story in general. It's just... I just really appreciate the mashing of the genres. It reminds me a bit of... Um, you guys, Have you guys heard of um, Ryan Johnson's film Brick? Yeah, I've seen Brick. I haven't seen... And honestly, this, along with... Um, what did we watch the other week? Um... The Russo's, I want to say, debut. Welcome yeah. to Collingwood. Welcome to Collingwood. Collingwood. That, that reminded Collingwood. me of Brick yeah. just as well as this film did. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I, I love Brick. I haven't seen Brick, but I know the premise of how it's like a noir film, but it's in a it high school It literally is setting. a high school film, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just reminded me a lot of that, um, which I reckon is quite ballsy. Um, I have a lot more thoughts, but I want to share the load here. 
That was okay. just my basic. Yeah, cool. okay. Um, I, I think where I struggle with this film is, um, I don't know, I feel like the, the pacing's a little bit off in my... I don't think we hit the beats at the right time. You know, I really... And I might be just drawing from a completely different direction, like having too much of the favourite in my head when I'm right. watching this okay. film. Because I... I feel like the favorite was really good at distinguishing its act structure mm. and progression of characters and really showcasing it both visually, audibly, yeah. and in the character well, actions. Well, that film, that film literally has like title cards that break up the plot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But even just in the, if you remove those title cards, you would openly be able to know what's going on. Yeah. And you would be able to see the, the transition with Emma Stone and Rachel Vice's characters and that. Mm. Whereas. I don't know. I, I start with Kirsten Dunst and she's nice and she's happy and she's sweet and she stays nice, happy and sweet throughout pretty much the entire time. Not necessarily, no, though. Not really. I wouldn't say I that. mean, her lowest point is when, is it the brother who has... Yeah. Um, they have their child before she's able to, which mm. is something she was directly told to yeah. get ahead of. So basically... And she breaks down crying. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. a low point at that point. Yeah, I reckon that's... Yeah, you just see her kind of... And it's not a huge, super over-the-top dramatic I'm happy and now all of a sudden I'm sad. It's like, I know, it's just... I feel like it's a lot more subtle mm-hmm. in terms of it's going from, yay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm now, you know, part of this royal family and, mm. and then you just see her kind of slowly lose it a little bit. Not to the extent of she's in the loony bin or anything like that. Yeah, I think with with the big thing that I like highlighted, she obviously is Coppola's taken the loneliness sort of mm. uh, character relationship that Scarlett Johansson had with her partner oh, yeah. from Lost in Translation. It's very similar to that, where yeah. the partner's not really a bad person, mm. but he's neglecting, you know, Scarlett yeah. J- J- you know, Johansson in that film and. And I feel like Dunce has a very similar thing with Schwartzman, is it? Yeah. yeah. Um, where he's doing nothing really wrong apart from oh. being just really awkward. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of frustrating. Mm. I don't know. I feel like... Well, I also it, yeah. I also think, though, with that is um, at first, it, it feel the most of it, especially from the start, is, is a facade. And it's like, she's not... At least for how I grasp it, is yeah. it she's not technically trying to say for example like she's trying to sleep with him because they have this expectation mm. of a baby i don't feel like she wants that for a lot of this film it's yeah. just she's being pressured to yeah and then she feels even more trapped because mm. even though she doesn't want to do it she's still like okay i'm gonna actively try and take part of this. and he won't mm. even get to that stage so well, she's just trapped so much of this film well i mean th- like much like coppola's other films this carries on a lot of narrative beats of it's essentially a movie about privileged people and their disconnect from the idyllic world mm. and um, uh, her films often tackle young girls and the issues they face in a male-dominated society now they're struggling to carve out their own identity from the identity that others are trying to create for them and I feel like yeah that's something very prevalent in this because mm. she's someone that comes from Austria she's moved to France and she's there so that the families can unite and She's, she's used as a pawn. Yeah, she's pretty much used as a pawn. And also, you know, her mum's like pressuring her, saying, "Have you had a baby yet? Have you had a baby? Yeah. Have you had a baby yet?" And she's like, "Well, I'm trying, but everyone's putting the blame on her. Yeah. Even the like 
the well, kid... there's those gender stereotypes no, of he should be the she one really, doing. She, if her character goal in this story is to carve out her own identity or have a child, she accomplishes that by like the hour and what twenty hour and thirty minute mark of the film. There's still like another act that follows when she has her first child, which is you know, I feel like I said this to Jake in the in the car driving over here. I feel like a lot of the story gets wrapped up in the last ten to fifteen minutes, and I feel like we have to power through because. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. This is why I thought the pacing was off. I thought a lot of things happened in the last 15 minutes that they kind of just put in at the end. Whereas, because they were trying, they had like a really nice sort of slow pace, which wasn't a big deal. Mm. It's just when you ramp it up, you really notice how a lot of it was just kind of her being like, I want to have a kid. And then Jason Schwartzman going, oh, yeah. and he gets closer yeah. progressively in those bed scenes, which yeah. get... I will, I will admit, I think one of its flaws, yeah, definitely is pacing, particularly because um, it does some time jumps mm. and you don't mm. really pick up on it. You pick up through some lines of dialogue. And, like, characters getting progressively greyer hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, she starts off the movie with 16 and then, all of, and, and then you know, she's having her 18th birthday and stuff like that and you're like, mm. oh, wait, hold on, she's 18 now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I remember, you, I remember mm. you telling me that like this is her 18th birthday. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, we yeah. jumped to the... Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess that's maybe Coffler trying to be a little bit more subtle about Because, you know, there are a lot of... Basically, the standard for convention for a lot of films is like, you put the year and be like, 2000 and something. Yeah, which and, I'm glad they don't in this film. Yeah, it, w- it would have been a bit formulaic. Oh, it's not, it's not necessary. Like, you can grasp that part of it. But I just yeah. feel like there's that... There's a good solid like ten to fifteen minutes in the middle mm. part and around the hour and twenty mark where she has that affair with that bloke. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't offer really that much apart from basically this character is kind of sexually frustrated. I guess mm. I don't find how okay. But does that go into like the whole historical aspect of it? The f- well, the see, need to tell that kind of story. That uh, historical accuracy. Okay. <laughs> There have been quite a few Mary Antoinette biopics out there. A lot of them mm. made in like the early 20th century. Um, a lot of them way oh, wow. more okay. historically accurate than this, which made me think like when it, a lot. I think a lot of the reason why people didn't like this upon first viewing when it came out was because they went in with this mindset of oh we're going to see it's Sofia Coppola she's going to make a historical biopic it's going to be so accurate and mm. so detailed and that. And instead, they got something that really wasn't that accurate, but doesn't that... stylized. Yeah, it's quite stylized. Mm. But um, I don't think it overly tries to be accurate. Yeah, no, it literally the opening shot mm. is a fourth wall break. She's in the bathtub, and she gives a look to the camera as if, and she nods as if to say, like, "Hey, no, this isn't what you're expecting," kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, and that like sets the entire tone for like. Uh, the whole thing is like absolutely. Um, there's a moment where so merit the the infinite infamous line "Let them eat cake," for example. People think that's right. Yeah. People think you know Mary Antoinette said this when all the starving people came to her. So they have a line where she's in the bathtub and she says "Let them eat cake," and the scene directly after she's like, "I didn't say that. That's complete bullshit." <laughs> and everyone's just talking about like, "Oh yeah, no, that's ridiculous." Um, yeah. So like, it's very. I feel like the film's more self-aware than what people think it is. It's definitely doing what it wants to do. Mm. Like, there's no signs of, of like, a, a missed opportunity or, a, you know, like, the director being like, oh, crap, I missed the mark on this. So like, everything it is trying mm. to achieve is clearly done. 
Mm. And it's just a case of audiences um, taking that. You know, yeah, no, I, I can absolutely agree with that. I yeah. think. Mm. Um, I don't know. Did uh, Sophia Coppola have any films between translation and this one um, that came from out? From memory, I'm pretty sure she went straight from uh, uh, Lost in Translation to this. So I think there was also a little bit of expectation because she Absolutely. just won the Oscar for screenwriting. So everyone was like, okay, I didn't oh my that. gosh, here we go. Translation's also an amazing film because it's really subverted in a realism mm. sort of world, yeah. like a world that's very grounded and not stylized mm. in that sense. It's more sty- like a natural stylized where yeah. it's like, this is the beauty in our world, whereas this one feels like it, mm. you know... Just well, visually is just... Okay, so one other thing I'd like to discuss, which I feel like... So we've got the historical film on on as, as its surface level. Yep. Underneath that, it's a high school film. But I feel like there's a bit of a meta-narrative going on here. Um, I don't know if this was intentional or not, or maybe I'm just reading into it too much. But I can't help but feel like... This film is a meta commentary on Sofia Coppola's experiences growing up in the spotlight under mm. her father's shadows. Mm. Um, because this film is essentially about a young woman struggling with her identity in the spotlight of a male dominated society. Does that not sound like the film industry? Yeah. You know? Um, you know, like when you're the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, you know, I, I imagine they got a pretty good relationship. You know, I, mm. I don't. I haven't read any biographies or anything like that. But um, when when you're the daughter of this world-famous director and you say, okay, I'm going to become a filmmaker, regardless of whether it's intentional or not, I feel like there'd be people in her circles like mm. who would have set that expectation, like, you're the daughter of Francis Ford, you have to deliver. There's or like, even potentially her being forced into filmmaking to yeah, a Yeah, exactly. Mm. I'm sure she loves doing it. Um, but, you know, having that Coppola name, there's a level of expectation. Um, I mean, that's a surprisingly mm. universal story yeah. of, like, getting into the same field as, you yeah. know, those who uh, preceded you or and, well, you know, that not kind a lot of, thing. of Not a lot of mm. families exist, really, in Hollywood outside the of... Smith si- family, but then again... It, Will Smith, well, no, James just, Smith. Yeah, well, yeah, most of, yeah, like, like, yeah, generational mm. wise, because there are siblings that are in Hollywood mm. together. Like, you got the Hemsworths yeah. and stuff like that, but mm. there are not like there aren't a lot of father, son, daughter, mm. or. Mother. But I'm not even talking about Hollywood in general. Like, I'm talking about it's a very universal concept of like yeah. getting to your parents' business and that kind of expectation yeah. that follows that. Even like to the um, rudimental level, like, you know, the the king mm. and the follower to the king sort yeah. of thing, that kind of thing. Well, I feel like this, rather than, I feel like this film, Sophia, rather than try to replicate her father's success, she really paved her own path with this. Mm. Three films in. Now, she says she's going to make a biopic. Now, I think people went in expecting a Francis Ford biopic, but got a Sophia... Capola biopic. Okay, I don't know about that well, because like at the time, at the time. No, but even um, at the time, you're coming off someone. I think if anything, at this point, if you're if you're winning an Oscar for best screenplay, you've started to carve out your own identity at that point. And I would say would coming into so. this film, they probably were. I don't. I haven't watched the version Suicides. You have. Yeah. Does this film feel? Out of those three, Lost in Translation, Virgin Suicide, does this one feel like the odd one out of those three? This one feels the most different. Yeah. I, like, honestly, like, yeah, it just feels like this This is her moment to go, right, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know, I just feel like 
she is a very different filmmaker from her father. Her father would have done something, and he he's an amazing filmmaker. Don't get me wrong, but he's part of like that whole. He's more of a traditional kind of filmmaker. I yeah. feel like he would have made a more um, sensible, mature kind of three-hour Mary Antoinette biopic kind of thing. But then Sophia comes in and she's like, no, no, I'm going to put my little creative little spin on this. I'm going to make it a pop-punk mm. um, love letter to growing up and, and, and being a female and stuff like that. Mm. Um, Which I approve. That's the thing I appreciate most about this film mm. is that it's able to have that direct comparison and to really yeah. play with genres you're right and i think three films in this really cements a lot of uh like i was mentioning before some of the um uh tropes and conventions that um sophia uses in her works three films in this is yeah it's like okay this is what a sophia coppola film has mm. um for sure and i can confirm i've just checked this is the third film in her roster <laughs> so the previous one was lost in translation yeah 2003. yeah boom um, the yeah. only thing I didn't like about Lost in Translation was the ending. Okay, yeah. Mm. But, like, yeah, I think I just... Shouldn't have made him kiss. I just really love the fact that she made something... Spoilers. ...useful <laughs> and vibrant. Um, I... Yeah, I... You know, historical biopics often are quite samey. They usually... They, they try to retain the information and the story, and sometimes it's at the expense of... Um, and they'll have pacing and plot, but they'll it'll be at the expense of maybe more technical things like um, mm. or being a little bit more creative with uh, how you portray what was in a book into a film. Yeah. Um, mm. cl- classic example. I love Gary Oldman's performance in Darkest Hour. Boring, just everything. But I love the performance. Performance what? is great. I just was not a fan of. Oh my god! R.I.P. Headphone Everything users. else in it. It was just like your standard <laughs> biopic. If you crazy. take Gary Oldman out of that movie, you've just got a I, BBC no, Two no. Sir, I will fight you on <laughs> oh this. Oh my goodness! Okay, so. He is great, Gary Oldman, in that film. But yeah. Ben Mendelsohn is also really strong I in that film. I forgot he was in that movie. Ben... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, might. Oh, um... yeah, he was the Prime Minister, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's so good <laughs> in it. the king or something like that. I don't know. Oh, my he's the king. God. He's yeah. the king. This but is like, great. It is a strong film. Mm. It does. Ex- it is. It stands mm. on its own feet quite competently. It does a lot of nice, cool things with the camera. Yeah. Um and keeps the tempo going quite well. Okay. Obviously, it does feel like an Oldman acting piece, and yeah. I do think they should have just casted someone older yeah. than Gary Oldman, because... But he's an old man. But he's not. But he's an old man. He looks, he looks great in it, though. He's the old man. It's my same problem I had with Vice and yeah. with Dick Cheney. I Ooh. think just Who played Dick Cheney again? Christian Bale. Oh, that's no. Sorry, I was thinking of um Sam Rockwell's role, but you're right. Uh, you I have George not, Bush. Okay, I have not um, seen Vice. Just to clarify, it's a good yes. movie. Good movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's better yeah. than it got a lot of scrutiny, mm. which I didn't appreciate because it's not as good as The Big Short. But... Oh, the one thing I hated about the critics of Vice was the fact that people were like, oh, we don't like the fact that um. Multi-layered uh, Dick character. Cheney is both an asshole and a sympathetic character. It's like that's what makes him so interesting mm-hmm. is the fact that he's the worst person. But there are moments where you're like, oh, he's just a father looking out for his. Can kid. I mention you've said the exact same thing on the Dog Tooth episode? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, I really listened to it the other day. Yeah, yeah. There okay. we go. Okay, but anyway, back to back to Mary Antoinette. Yeah, do we want to <laughs> give our five final bits of consensus for Antoinette? 
Marriott. Well, well, is there any? I mean, I I would love to talk about the um. You pointed this out to me, Jesse. The oh, okay. the shoes. Oh, okay. So this is um like this goes into my favorite scene. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Do you want to hold scene. on to it then? Uh yeah, we might hold on to okay. it. Okay. But uh yeah, I just I I think she really made something different here. And yeah, I understand not it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. If you're wanting a his a historically accurate film, mm. don't watch this film. If you're wanting a vibrant, useful. Uh, coming of age story about a girl just struggling to, me- and see that thing as well is like, often these stories about the high elite you can't really relate to them because they're all oh, these wealthy people mm. and and you know w- why do I care about a story about some royal person you know, mm. but I feel like the the by merging this pop punk style made her feel a lot more grounded. Um, as if like, hey, you know, she, she's just like me, kind of thing. You know, she's growing up and she's experiencing the pressures of society and yeah. how people are judging her about things and stuff like that. Um, quite interestingly, um, Sofia Coppola. So there's apparently there's this one Mary Antoinette book that uh, biography that everyone always refers to. It's like the go-to for Mary Antoinette bio um, mm. bio novel things. Do you know what's called? Uh, I think it's just called Mary Antoinette or something like that. What but, man? Um, Mixing it up. But um, <laughs> Sophia Coppola intentionally chose not to read that. She was like, I don't okay. care. I'm not reading that. She picked up a different book instead called by Antonia Fraser called Mary Antoinette, The Journey. For in- uh, uh, the Journey. Um, and yeah, apparently the book makes her more human and focuses on a young girl who finds herself in the wrong place at the wrong time, kind mm. of thing. And I can, you can definitely see that in the film. Is more of a human approach to a character. Yeah. Um, particularly as well because like, it's it's interesting how like this film it follows Mary Antoinette, and then you get to the end and you realize, oh wait, hold on a second. The Russian Revolution, uh, no, the French Revolution is just around the corner. It's like yeah. you kind of forget that it's there's a nice like sting a world towards outside the end, yeah. of it, and then you're just like, oh, this is like when the shit hits the fan, the shit hits the Especially fan. Especially when she's like, you know, she's obviously started to party more and mm, like, yeah. have a bit more fun. And then towards in the background, the end, you're like, you hear these people like, yeah, she's spending <clears> lots of money, yeah. and you're just like, you kind of forget about that. Yeah, it's kind of um. I mean, uh, it's brushed uh, over, but and purposely. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was like the Schwartzman scenes where it's just like, yeah, we need to help out America. He's like, can we afford it? It'll make France look strong. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, that's a good idea. And it's all wrapped. <laughs> it's about forty-five seconds, and it happened. Yeah. It does like three times yeah. where it's like, it's like politics, 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 politics. Absolutely. Yes. Mm. You come back to that in 15 minutes. Actually, I think I made that joke to you, Jesse, yeah. when when they said America. And then in my head, I just they all pause. And they're like, oh, 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 oh. They all just start laughing. Like, we need to help America. One thing I'll just quick, quickly say. I, I hope... Okay, regardless of... We've all got different opinions on the movie. Yeah. But can we just briefly talk about how great the soundtrack is? Oh, the stro- uh, the oh Zeke did not like it. You did not like the no. soundtrack. The it was very well made. Oh, it was like... Uh, I feel like this... I feel like, uh, Jesse, you just seem to have a, a soft spot for coming-of-age films. I, just, I really do. I just don't, and... That okay, might... you're not going to like Overdue, then. <laughs> oh! No, no, they have, a, they have a time and place, and I honestly think there are some great coming-of-age films out there. Mm. But 
we all have our favourites from each genre. We talked about rom-coms earlier, and, I, yeah. and I'm a different generational rom-com lover compared to the current ones. Yet some people really like the current ones, and some people like mm. coming-of-age films like Edge of Seventeen and like uh, Eighth Grade, which you talked about last talked week about on the last show. Last week, yeah, yeah, um, very interesting film. But people like me, and admittedly, Jack on last week was not a big fan. Or, or even remotely interested by eighth grade, really. Uh, well, he just thought it looked the cinematography was bad, which kind of blew my mind because, like really? I said, that was my favorite thing about the film. Yeah, I know was how it shot. Great, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, I, I just didn't click. I guess that might come back to maybe I feel like sometimes I'm slightly more traditional with my cinema liking, which is probably fair enough. Fair um, enough. so the culture. I mean, there are times where I've liked when mm. like a soundtrack like a non-diegetic soundtrack mm. subverts the error in which it, it's in, yeah. which is like quite clever. Mm. Um, so it kind of, it, there's a happy medium. I just, maybe I just don't like the cure. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Should we talk about our favorite scenes then? Um, yeah. yeah, I'm ready to go. I mean, the, with the music, I think part of it, cause you would point out mm. a lot of times how, how lyrically connected it is. Yeah. So the scenes that it's mm. in, yeah, stuff like that. There's a song that plays where she's running. Called, um, I forgot who it's by, but the lyrics like "I don't want to be forgotten," and I'm just like, mm. I love this because like she just, uh, her her, uh, the the other couple had just had the baby. Yep, yep, and yep. She's like, whoa, and you know, in those kind of times where it's like you have to have a baby, otherwise you're pretty much no one cares. You, mm. you need to pass the line. Like the royal mm. family line on. Otherwise, if if you don't if you don't produce a child, then you're pretty much irrelevant in the family. And even there. further, how we were both talking about the whole male versus female baby situation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, right. um, favorite scene. My yeah. highlight scene. I did like the masquerade ball. That um, was cool. I like. I like oh, yeah. that sequence. Uh, I liked that, and I liked the Jamie Dornan. Is that Jamie Dornan? Is yeah, the... this is, apparently it was... Okay, don't quote me on this. It might have been one of his first acting roles. Everyone quote him. <laughs> I Everyone don't even know. Do What's it? Jamie Dornan in? Fifty Shades. Oh, oh that's, that's right. We're talking about, yeah. <laughs> Wowzers. Welcome um, to my dungeon. Well, he wasn't because they had someone else and then they replaced the guy with Jamie Dornan. Oh, so he's not the first guy. He's the second Fifty well, Shades Well, dude. no, they cast Casting someone. Wise. And he was like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. And so they brought in Jamie, Jamie Dornan. Because like, didn't they change Christian Grey from the first one to the second one? Oh, you mean no, the no, actors? No, 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 they, they kept didn't? the same. They just, they'd cast a guy and they were like getting ready to film it. And oh, then yeah. they were like, the guy was like, I don't care. And then Jamie Dornan no, comes enough. in. Well, yes. um, I like that scene. I like the scene in the tent where those two are like, Oh, I've... where they're playing celebrity heads. Yeah, oh, I, I like that. that scene. It was a nice <laughs> scene. Oh like, yeah, I forgot and, about and that. And they're all like sharing like the pipe. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a weird sort Teenage of like kids just smoking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the funny. Uh, the more you guys talk about it, the more it's like, oh, maybe that's why I'm just so confused because mm. you like forget that maybe because yeah. Kirsten Dunst doesn't look young at all in this film. And that's, Fair enough. She's that always... might actually be why mm. things aren't clicking. I honestly thought she looked really young at the start. Like I thought yeah. she like appropriately yeah. no. looked maybe not fourteen, but mm. she it was, it was like, she no. didn't even look remotely her. Right. No, how old was she in this film? I would like to I, find. Two thousand six. How old was? Oh, I, I have no clue. Um, anyway, they were my highlight scenes. What about you, Jesse? Oh, uh, we can pass on to Jake. Okay, Jake. Well, I was gonna. I was talking about. I had two scenes in mind. 
um, which kind of follows that a little bit. The the scene when she starts kind of having her affair and that little montage almost oh, that plays yeah. up. That's a lot of fun. But my real favorite scene is, and we talked about it a bit when the when the mobs outside. Oh yeah, and she comes out and she just kind of bows her head down. That was fascinating. And everyone just like shuts yeah. up for a second, and you're like, what's gonna happen? And then she just gets up, and they're all just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fascinating. That scene when they're trying to eat dinner. Twenty four. She would have been. 20, when they're trying wow. to eat dinner and they're all being civil and you just hear, like, bombs and explosions yeah, in yeah, the background. Yeah. and A lot of dinner scenes they mm. had. I like that long take. That one where they're, like, holding hands at the end. Oh, as, yeah. Like, it was oh, yeah. getting progressively louder, the mm. track. Yeah, kind of yeah, bookends sure. how they started their dinner. Yeah. Or even lunches sort of thing. Yeah, sure. What were your favourite scenes? My favourite scene. Um, so, I like a lot of scenes for this. Uh, uh, one small scene like I mentioned before the the very first shot of the fourth wall break and how it sets up the movie essentially um, but my absolute favourite scene now when I watched this a couple months ago for the first time mm. it was only till afterwards I realised holy crap my film Overdue accidentally paid That's homage right. to a scene in this movie and I'd never seen it before because mm. I was watching I was like that's like overdue. <laughs> they copied me. <laughs> uh, so the scene I'm referring to is um, uh, Mary Antoinette, uh, she just runs off and she starts crying and she locks herself in her room. And it's just this one uh, hand, uh, it's handheld, handheld shot of um, it's close up in her face and she's just like completely freaking out and she uh, slowly slides down against the door and she's mm. just on the floor a mess. There's a scene in Overdue that's like that. Yeah. This is like the perfect film. I rewatched, yeah, yeah, yeah. I rewatched the Overdue trailer the other day, yeah. and I think it's in the trailer yeah. that shot. And then follow and and so I'm I'm gonna call this all one scene because there's a scene that follows directly afterwards, which yeah. is a montage. And in my film Overdue, that scene is followed by a montage. <laughs> so like just the weird <laughs> kind of parallels between the two, but um. Back onto Mary Antoinette. The reason why I love this is because it um so yeah, she has that really like intense moment of she's getting really emotional and yeah. then it all of a sudden cuts to the montage of um it's a shopping scene where they're so you know, back in those days they didn't have sh- proper shops like we do now, so yeah. they had tailors come in and everything. It's a shopping montage, they're eating all these macarons and everything, and uh Bow Wow Wow's I Want Candy plays and it's this awesome just upbeat and fun montage. I just, I just, I. It gets me excited every time. The one bit that I absolutely love in it, uh, which I pointed out to Jake, you after remember we rewind the, the DVD. We rewinded it. There's a brief shot. It's a close up of Mary Antoinette. She's um putting on her shoes, and on the floor there's like all this crap on the floor. There's the sh- other shoes and stuff like that. And in the center of frame, in the background, so it's slightly out of focus is a pair of sky blue Converse shoes. <laughs> it is it is way too central for it to be accidental. And because it's Sofia Coppola, there's no way she just happened to leave some Converse shoes in the scene. It's like... Zeke's so confused. <laughs> yeah, no, go back, like, go... Go online and type in Mary Antoinette Converse shoes, and it's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> a whole thing about it. Well, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, uh. it, it is. Uh, I just I just love how it's a blink and you'll miss it shot, but it's just like such a... It's just a cheeky little Easter egg that it's she chucks cheeky, in there. Yeah. 
Um, but okay. it, go, it goes back to compliment the, the it genre broken the stuff. Whole... Of the no, Oscars. no, I'm, yeah. I'm understanding the the yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, I'm understanding to the point where I'm just sitting there like, okay, <laughs> okay. This okay, film... no, 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 but like the scene as a whole, I love. I just, I was just pointing yeah. out that one specific yeah. bit. I just love. No, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, this is what this. Uh, we're gonna bring more divisive films on. Yeah. This one's the podcast is all about. Exactly. None of this universally acclaimed or universally panned stuff. Yeah. Bringing the divisive stuff. Exactly. Well, Marie Antoinette. Antoinette. I got there. And is 20... out in wide release on Blu-ray and DVD. Blu-ray DVD. I've been waiting for about thirteen years. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> we watched some Blu-ray. Yeah. The three switching, of us. Switching Thank gears. Thank you for your copy, Jesse. Thank no you. worries. No yeah. worries. Thank I you. Bought uh, it legally. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> switching so, gears. Kirsten Dunst's partner in real life is Jesse Plemons, and that confused really? us. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about it that because they are they're in that. season two of Fargo together. They're this um, uh, they're this couple that end up committing a murder and stuff like that. And oh, my God. It's so interesting seeing them as a couple. Yeah. That's so weird. Because, yeah. like, Jesse Plemons in Game Night is one of the weirdest <laughs> people I've ever seen. I love them. him in Game Night. He's so, so great. so good. All right, Zeke. Well, um, well, well, before we switch to our movie next week... Well, I'm going to talk about what's coming out oh, soon. Really? Yeah, well, I've got a list here. Some of it's not too accurate to us, but I'm going to read it anyway, because the first film on here is uh, Detective Pikachu, which does not come out here. Mm-hmm. So it comes out May 9th in the US. It does not come out for another month over here. Okay. So we have to wait a little while for that one. Because mm. um, school holidays probably. Or something maybe. Like something. It's very silly. Yeah. You know, That's a shame because I want to watch that. Um, also, The Hustle is coming out. And we got free tickets there. So we you did. want to talk about that? We did. Uh, Mix 92.9. <laughs> Shout out Mix. to that radio station. <laughs> so uh, came up to me uh, uh, when I was working. And we're like, hey, do you want free tickets to go see The Hustle. And I was like, <laughs> sure. And they just gave me a double pass to see The Hustle. They said two double passes. Wait, what's, yes, the, what's double The Hustle? Pass. I've not heard of it. Uh, so this is the one with um, Anne Hathaway and uh, oh, okay. what's her name? Um, Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson. Yeah, yeah, just being, I guess, con women together. Yeah. Yeah, it, looks alright. I, I mean, even with free passes, I still don't know if I want to go Isn't see it. Isn't it essentially just the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? Probably. Steve Let's go Martin see it, Jake. we got free. Uh, Michael Caine. Fine. I hope Michael Caine's in this movie. <laughs> save this well, movie. A um, couple of other things. All is true. Uh, does anyone know what that is? Nope. Um, all right. We got Poms as well. There's a, there's a few random ones in there. If this you week. Indie That's Darlings. the one about cheerleaders, but they're older. I think so, because based on the poster I'm looking at, there's definitely some cheerleaders yeah, in this got film. Pom-poms? Yes, they do. Oh, it's called so Poms. Well, anyway, next week. Not on... about the English. Next week on the yeah. show, we've got <laughs> that joke was lost. Netflix latest original, uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. Do you remember the night we met? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you have been witness to the unspeakable horrors of the defendant's heinous crimes. A chronicle of the crimes of Ted Bundy from the perspective of his longtime girlfriend who refused to believe the truth about him for years. This film stars Lily Collins and Zac Efron. Been getting a lot of uh, buzz, controversy, bit of everything. Oh, well, the controversy is... <laughs> the controversy is so stupid because the whole point is that he's a good-looking man. That's how he gets away with half the stuff. So, well, like, that's not a controversy. That's people being stupid. Yeah. 
Well, okay, I haven't seen the movie, but I know... I haven't pe- seen it either. I, uh, my sister and my partner have both seen it. Okay. And what they've said is it was very underwhelming because he... Zac Efron is really good at portraying the charming facade of Ted Bundy. Because, mm. you know, he, he... Like, women loved him and, and everyone thought, oh, he's so... He, no, Ted Bundy wouldn't do that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What it fails from what I've heard, bearing in mind I haven't seen it, is to bring up the other side where he's actually a twisted and psychopathic guy. It more focuses on the on the the facade, and it mm. it, it almost feels like maybe it's glorifying that. In okay, a way. Well, I've, that, but I've the... heard the other way where it's not. I mean, Jack Bat he's already seen it, and he's recommended we watch the documentary. Oh yeah, prior no, to this oh, because of the lack of information and parts of the honestly, story. Just. Just watch, watch the documentary. I watched the documentary. Oh, the Ted Bundy tapes? Yeah, Ted Bundy tapes. They are fascinating. I th- okay. I, I would recommend watching I would watch them. that before this film. Yeah, for next definitely. week. Make for a pretty interesting conversation between me and you if we both ran and shrack up the documentary and the film. Mm. Oh, I'm definitely going to try to, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, well, Jesse, thank you for having coming thank back on you the for show. Thank <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. And uh, hopefully by next week we'd have, we would have seen Overdue. So, very exciting. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we'll have to have you on a couple of weeks so you yeah. can talk about... Uh, yeah. The, how that production went for you, what you learnt, and any juicy stories. Juicy stories, yes, yes. Yeah. Well, Exciting. no worries. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And I was Jesse. And we'll catch you next week with that ridiculously long title. It's the Ted Bundy biopic. Oh my god, oh, title. Why didn't they just. It's such call a long it. title. Zach Efron's in this. It's about Ted Bundy. Extremely, That's even a worse title. <laughs> extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile.